everyone, JJ Cooper, Kyle Glazer back together again for another Facebook Live and podcast here on a uh, actually a rather pretty Tuesday here in Durham, North Carolina. We thank you for tuning in. We thank you as always. We thank you also to Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off the field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. If you are a baseball fan, you need to check out baseballism.com. And if you go there right now and you know the, enter the offer code BASHIP, that's B-A-S-H-I-P, you can get 20% off of your order, which is always awesome. We've got the gear as we always do. Uh, today we're going to talk prospects as we often, we often do. But uh, one of the things we did want to talk about because and I know one of the questions I will get that will be in there because we get the question every week is, is when is so-and-so going to get called up? And right now, the guys that you're hearing that are, when is Ronald Acuna going to get called up? When is Gleyber Torres going to get called up? When is Nick Senzo going to get called up? And I think we actually, we talked a little bit before, we did prep a little for this, and one of the things we talked about is I think we kind of differ on this. Is, is To me, if you're the Braves, especially after a 9-6 and six start, which is, better than I think most Braves fans hope for. Uh, you know, especially a lot of snow, but playing well against some good teams, the Nationals, the Cubs, I'd say bring them up. You say, yeah, you're, you don't have a problem with them being a little more patient. Not at all. I mean, at the end of the day, the Major League level, it's about performance. We can talk about tools all we want. We can talk about raw ability all we want. The Major League level, you have to perform. Right now, Preston Tucker's performing. The Braves are winning. All in all, right now, eight of or seven of the Aves break, seven of the Braves' eight position player regulars, that's a tongue twister, have OPSs above 810. is not exactly raking in AAA, so why not just let him figure out what he needs to figure out? His not being there at the major league level is not hurting you right now. Just let him figure out what he needs to figure out, and when he's ready, bring him up. Ronald Acuna will be up this year. In the grand scheme of things, whether he comes up April 17th, April 26th, or May 3rd, as long, you know, it's not hurting the Braves, so... What I, don't, I guess to me it's, an, it's a non-issue that people seem to be making a huge issue about. Uh, to me, I look at it a couple of reasons I would say bring them up. Uh, one is is that it's not you would replace Preston Tucker. Preston Tucker's not going to the you know AAA if you bring him up. I'd say you're jettisoning Peter Borjos, who's who's pitting 150, who's uh, right now who's there because of his defense and base running, and he cost them a game almost because of his base running. Um, so my point being is is that yes, I do think you bring. Bringing Ronald Acuna up doesn't mean that Preston Tucker basically goes on ice. But you're also not going to bring Ronald Acuna up and put him on the bench. And right now, Tucker and Marquecas are hitting. Ender Inciarte is not hitting. But you're not going to bench your gold glove winning center fielder. So you're not going to bring him up to be your fifth outfielder. No, no, you're not bringing him up to be your fifth outfielder. But I do think that you still are talking that you're a National League team. You're talking about Acuna has the ability to play all three. So you could essentially say he's going to start a day in left. He's going to start a day in center. He's going to start a day in right and going to have a day off and be a pinch hitter. And then at the same time, Preston Tucker on that day off, it's something where, I mean, because Preston Tucker right now has played probably on the absolute other, utter end of his ability level. And Acuna is better defensively. So, I, again, I just look at it also, it's a very practical portion thing, but Braves fans have been eagerly anticipating the day that Ronald Acuna arrives. And there is a... Again, you don't make decisions just for attendance, but it is a nice little side effect that the day Ronald Acuna arrives, the interest in that team in Atlanta is going to go up as well. The most important thing here is, look, the performance of the player. You just saw Ronald Acuna for a series Mm -hmm. here in Durham. 
It was clear to you he was trying to hit every ball 500 feet. Which he, will go away the minute he gets to the big leagues. Oh, I disagree. That's something you have to figure out in AAA. No, no, you get to the big leagues and you got the butterflies and you're trying to make a big impression, you are absolutely swinging from your shoes those first couple at-bats and major league pitchers pick apart your holes. That's something, get back, get your timing perfect in AAA, get everything as good as it can be at that level so when you get to the major leagues, you're in a good place mentally and physically. And again, it'll come in no way, shape, or form should I, am I concerned about Ronald Acuna's long-term outlook, nor should anyone else be. But 14 strikeouts and 41 plate appearances. The swing's just been let big. Him, just let, let, him, let him get there, and when he's ready, bring him up. Okay. I'll throw a different guy out, and I think you may more agree with me more on this. The Reds know that uh, they're without their third baseman, uh, Eugenio Suarez, for a while. Uh, pretty significant injury. Right now, Phil Goslin is their starting third baseman. Alex Blendino came up to be the backup, former first-round pick. Nick Senzel, who, by the way, was playing second, was moved to third, has now moved back to second. I that's one to me, and again, I can I can follow the logic of saying, look, we're our, <coughs> this this is already, it's the completely falling apart if you're Cincinnati. I mean, the the well, season is always going to be a ninety loss season. I think it's just but the season's apparent. already over, and it's it's become apparent even quicker than I think Red <laughs> snows on the ground, and it's two and thirteen. And, 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 and this is one where again, because now you're talking about a guy who you know potentially replacing a lap spot that has been very productive. You know, Senzel's off to a little bit of a slow start as well, 233. And again, small sample sizes. But I can also see, hey, just let him get hot so when he comes up, he's in the best position to compete. You know, with Nick Senzel, you're also talking about a guy who, you know, coming into this year had only about, I think, 50, a little over 50 games above the double, uh, above the high A level. He played about 50 at AA last year. He's got 10 or so at AAA this year. So there's still a little bit of a developmental curve. And again, there are guys who come up after 10, 15 games. But you look at the guys who did – the Chris Bryant's, the Cody Bellinger's, Raphael Devers last year, they all raked in their 10 to 15 AAA game, game sample size at AAA. Now, we can argue whether or not long-term it means a whole lot, but that is how teams a lot of times do make decisions. Performance Which I, matters. I, but I was going to say, I would say teams, those samples are, uh, again, are somewhat, are always fluky. But the same way that we don't look at a stretch. If a guy has agree, a two-week stretch at the big league level, we never say, Oh, clearly this shows who he is. Although teams do make decisions on that. And they that, again, we talk about what should or shouldn't. Teams do. And so no, I I'm think saying they shouldn't. I think right now, again, Senzel, that of, you know, between the Glaber Torres, the Ronald Acuna, and the Nick Senzel, that's the one that would make the most sense to me in the, okay, look at who's ahead of them and what their performance is. But at the same time, Senzel is also the least experienced of those guys when it comes to upper-level uh, play in the minor leagues. You're talking about him moving positions a little bit. Again... You know, you're three and thirteen without him. You're maybe you're five and eleven with oh, him. It's it's I, either way. They can't say it, but at this point, I could see the logic where you say, if you're the Reds, you say, you know what, we're now waiting until after Super Two status because it doesn't matter for this and, year, and so we will. And that's and I think that's not the worst way to go about it. Again, we'll see how long they can reasonably play Phil Gosselin at third base, but. Again, to me, I think this is a little bit the early season. You know, what can we talk about? You know, there's people talking about this and a lot of people on Twitter talking about it. To me, it's a little bit of manufactured. We need something to be outraged about. It's not, it's not an outrage, but I do see it all come up. Ronald Acuna is better than the players who are playing ahead of him in, in the big leagues. But he's not performing as such right Don't now. Don't care. He's and better. So, this is where we differ. Right. Performance, to but me. You're, you just said yourself, he's played a grand total. He was one of the best players in spring training. We can throw that if we want. We're talking they've played right now a week and a half of minor league games, which is not a large enough sample 
to draw anything from. And I agree, but it comes back to, again, okay, if, as as you saw for yourself, as Snicker even mentioned, yeah, you know, he's trying a little hard, just let him get right. And if he's not right at this, Ronald Acuna, when he's not right, is not going to hit three, would not have hit 300 with three homers at this point in the majors as Preston Tucker has. He's a better player than Preston Tucker. No one in their right mind would, would question that. But in terms of what can he do for you right now, in this exact moment in time, if the Braves decide, hey, because of what we're seeing right now, we don't think he cannot do that, there's no reason to pull him up. A uh, couple questions we have. Uh, Ramon Lovo asks, give me your thought about Lozaga, the pitcher from Nicaragua that plays in the minor leagues for the Yankees. That's Jonathan Lozaga, who is off to a great start in high class A uh, Tampa. Uh, I believe two starts, no runs yet. Uh, made our top 30 in the Yankees list coming into the year, which, a by the way... A very deep Yankees list. You make the top 30 in that Yankees top 30, that means right there, as a pitcher, that means you're really good because there were guys we left off that list that we would love. But there were guys we left off that list that if you put them on a different list, like the Mariners list, they would have been top 15 guys. Oh, easily. I think we looked at some of the guys that were numbers 18 to 22. For example, Juan Fenn, who was a Mariners mm-hmm. guy, was a Mariners top 10 prospect in the Yankees system, I believe he was late teens, early 20s. So there's your direct comp right but, there. Uh, but Lazaga, the Velo really took a nice uh, jump last year. Um, has a changeup too. So you're talking about a, a mid-90s fastball touching higher than that with a good changeup. There's a lot of things to like there. Uh, you know, again, you know, a couple of years away still, but at the same time, I, I would, I, I, very legit prospect. Uh, a guy who, again, keep an eye on, but the problem in the Yankees system is, is there's a lot of guys to keep an eye on because they have a whole lot. Even after some of the trades they made, they have a whole lot of pitchers in that system. I'll send this one to you. Speaking of call-ups, uh, Ron Lieb, who's a, a frequent uh, questioner, I appreciate that, Ron, asked, with Josh, John, Josh Donaldson being hurt, could we see Vlad Jr. sooner than later? Define sooner. I don't think we'll see him next month after 20, you know, 30, 40 games of double A. But I think could we see him by August-ish? Sure. Again, you know, Ben Bowder was just up in New Hampshire, saw him, and it was clear as day at 19 he was the best player on the field at the double A level. And that was, by the way, a pretty loaded series with uh, Hartford, the Rockies affiliate, and New Hampshire, the Blue Jays affiliate. Uh, again, will you see Vlad Guerrero on the on the Skydome, excuse me, the Rogers Center turf here in the next month? If they can fix the roof. I'd say probably not. Will you see him there August-ish? I think that's very possible. I, I the, the thing I would say the first step is, is, and again, it's not like guys can't skip AAA, but I'm kind of be interested to see, is, is, is Guerrero going to show that he's just too advanced for AA, which would lead to a decision at some point, like, and when I say too advanced, one of the things that just stands out with Guerrero is guys that age who hit the ball hard, which Guerrero does, Often. do not walk more than they strike out. They just don't. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr. does. And so, and again, I, if he handles the test of AA, AAA is a different test than AA in some ways. Although the velo in AAA now, you know, in the bullpens is not something where you're seeing a lot... The, the old uh, adage of you basically had a lot of uh, slop tossers who knew how to throw sliders in... Uh, oh, no, UC-97, yeah. UC-98, and these triple-A bullpens but, very frequently. But what you do see, though, is, is you do see guys who even more so are going to start you off with back-to-back breaking balls and see if they can get ahead that way rather than going the more traditional younger pitcher fastball to get ahead, then break out the, the secondary stuff. So that'll be, that could be a useful test for him in triple-A, but... Again, even, even, I could see him skipping AAA. Oh, yeah. I just don't think it'll be, you know, it won't happen because Josh Donaldson is hurt right now. It will, you know, for now, though, 
you know, they brought in Led Misty as they brought in Hervis Larch. They have some guys they can move around the infield a little bit. It'll be when Vlad comes up, it'll be because the Blue Jays have torn down, they're looking toward the future, and I think you'll see more of that in July and August than right now. Brian Guerrero asks, does Glaber Torres profile better as a third baseman or second baseman? I'll take a swing at that while you think about it if you want. Yeah, well, I mean, when I saw him, it, the answer was second base, but, you know, he's athletic enough, he's a good enough, you know, player that if you gave him enough reps at third base, I think he could absolutely do it. I'll say his, and I'll say his body looks a little bit more like the traditionally, I'd say like when you project uh, Glaber Torres in his mid-20s, you know, late-20s, I think his body's going to look more like a third baseman. I think really, though, the best way to answer that is, is where do they need him? Because... I think he. I think like you're saying, he can handle both, and he profiles fine either way. We, you know, you believe in the bat. The bat is sufficient as a second baseman. It's sufficient as a third baseman. Heck, it's sufficient as a left fielder. So, if you believe in the bat like we do, you, you don't really worry that much about it. But really, what it comes down to is, is you look at the Yankees right now, and let's assume that you know long term that Miguel Andujar. I mean, again, there's no guarantee that all these guys are going to turn out, but if they do. Well, then logically, the spot for Torres is second base because Didi Gregorius seems to have kind of locked in that, uh, oh, yeah. that shortstop like, position. You know, they signed Neil Walker, short-term deal. He's not hitting. You know, Ron Trace, Tyler Wade, these are good complementary are, players. but These aren't guys who are going to stand in his way long-term. They're not going to be starting 162 games a year over Ronald, or and, over uh, Labor Torres. And if Andujar is the third baseman, then again, that means Torres probably fits better for the Yankees at uh, second base. Andrew Rhodes is going to send, tease this one up for you because you've already seen Griffin Canning. Griffin Canning promoted to double-A today. Andrew Rhodes asks, how long do you think Griffin Canning stays at double-A? One thing I'll say, Andrew, is slow down. He hasn't even got to double-A yet. He's, on, he's in route. No, he's at double-A. He got promoted. Oh, they did promote him. They did okay. promote okay. him. So I've been but he, hasn't made his, he has not made his double-A. It was announced today. So, it was announced today. So, so it's, been, yeah. it's been a busy morning. Um, well, first of all, it's not surprising given what he looked like at that in his first start when I saw him was... You know, he was pitching against Tyler Beatty, who's a triple-A pitcher, who about to make his big league debut, was just down. If you just blindly said which one of these guys is the better pitcher, the answer was Griffin Canning, and it wasn't close. He threw harder, better fastball command, both his breaking balls were better pitches. But again, it's one start, we'll see how it goes. I, I do think Griffin Canning right now at double-A, you want to see him build up the innings a little bit. He threw 119 at UCLA last year. This year we've seen him go four innings, one start, 4.2 this start. You do want to see him start getting to that five-inning range, that six-inning range. Mm -hmm. Just let him turn the lineup over that third time, pitch a little deeper. Again, with the Angels, some of it's going to depend on what injuries are taking place ahead of him. And considering Shoemaker, Ramirez are already down, Heaney had an elbow issue, he's back. And you know Garrett Richards and Tyler Skaggs, counting on them to make 32 starts a year is probably not going to happen. So I think it's good to have him there, but right now, you probably just want Griffin Kane to get to that sixth innings. Six innings. I don't know if he starts the Angels this year, but I can see the idea of putting him on the fast track as insurance. I'll 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 go out and I'll be crazy for a second, which is, I feel like every year because of kind of what you just mentioned for the Angels, we get to about September, and the Angels look around and they go, we don't have enough starting pitching. Like every year. They get we've had we've seen three man rotations in September with signing. them in contention Tim with them Lins- winning ninety plus ninety five plus games. We've seen them bringing you know Tim Lincecum and Joe. We've seen them basically the saying who 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 does the Atlantic League have? Like they started Troy Scribner for some games last year. Yeah, I will say like you just spelled it out. For one, the fact that a 
first round pick from last year is in double A and second oh, round, but second round would have been first yeah, sorry, round. Second round, you're right. Second round pick, but a, a top college pitcher from last year is in double A already is a very good sign in general. Um, because what it means is, is and we and you saw it. I mean, his stuff is simply too good. Like if you send him to low A, he wouldn't be challenged at all. If you send him to high A, he showed, okay, he's more than ready for this. He's really ready for double A. The thing when I'm following up on that though is, is that it would not, if the Angels track record of recent years continues, which is, is that they start the year with a pretty thin backups, thin rotation depth, which they kind of had this year. This year was better. You really did have seven options, but, but they're two, now, two already went they're down. They're down to five now. Th- and again, Jaime Berea came up, made his major league debut. So there, there is better backup depth than there used to be. But yes, you're they're hoping- already running out of it already. <laughs> It's out, it's out of April, and they've already sent two to the DL with, again, an Andrew Heaney. He's back. We'll see how long it lasts. And but knowing Skaggs and Richards' injury histories, yes. It, I think Griffin Canning, at the end of the day, I don't think they'll so want to point, have to use my him. My point is, is if but, you get to September, and they're in the same situation that they've been many of, you know, <laughs> many times the last this years. decade, Griffin Canning is a better option than Troy Scribner. Troy Scribner. Than Tim Litzikum was at that point. There, what my point being is, is that you've got a story that'll be in the next issue of uh, Baseball America that you know that we'll have up online pretty soon, talking about kind of workloads for college pitchers and all. But the other thing I kind of follow up that with is, is that especially, let's say you just hit on like Griffin Canning probably is not going to be working a lot of seven, eight, nine inning outings this year, just because that's not normal for a first year. Uh, you know, full season, first full season pro pitcher. That said, the Angels have often in September been sending guys out and thinking, if we can get four innings out of this guy, great. Griffin Canning probably can, you know, may by then be ready to do that at the big league level. And so I wouldn't, it just would not floor me if that ended up happening. Just again, if they were ended up in a dire situation, which the Angels have seemed to end up in a lot recently. And throw on top of that, this Angels team looks like it's really pretty good. Yep, 13-3 and three start. You've seen this is the most well-rounded offense they've had in a long time. There's This is a contending team if the pitching stays healthy. And, and that's yeah. a huge if. Because, again, you look at this lineup, and this lineup for the Angels is by far, you just said it, it's deeper. It's not, let's hope Mike Trout does something. Right. Okay, good. We got some power from Simmons. You no way we have, have automatic outs at your second base position, your third base position, your left field position, which they've had at various and points. And your first over base slash DH position. Yes, it, it, there's a, this is a better constructed lineup, so we'll see. But uh, back to Griffin Canning, he showed pretty clearly he's an excellent pitcher who I'm not surprised he's up. And uh, if he you know gets the big leagues this year, great. I think the Angels. Hope they don't have to do that, but it's nice knowing he potentially could be there if they need him. And, and again, I'm saying like it, I can. I've just mapped out a scenario where I think it's possible. At the same time, it's easy to overlook how difficult these jumps can be. Um, I, just think of a lot of the pro, the top prospects we can think of. Like think of where Alex Reyes was a couple of years ago, and here we are still waiting for Alex Reyes to get back and to be in a rotation. Walker Bueller jumped really quickly last year to double. You know, you look at him, boom, he's a double A. And then. Triple A wasn't great. The majors wasn't great. And then we're still sitting, really waiting for Walker Bueller to establish himself. Go further, 
Jamison Tyone, who was part of the same draft class, was basically those three guys at the top of the class. You had Bryce Harper, you had Manny Machado, you had Jamison Tyone. Harper and Machado are in their free agent walk years, and Jamison Tyone were like, hey, he's turning he's into, you know, he's, he's really, really blossoming, blossoming now. So the point being, you know, with guys can move fast and then slow down. I'm not saying Griffin Canning is definitely going to be ready to pitch in the big leagues this year. I am saying, considering where the Angels have been in recent years, it would not stun me, uh, you know, if he got there. Um, well, one more before we kind of uh, wrap this up. We'll ask, Jonathan Goodell asks, what will Joey Gallo hit first, 100 strikeouts or 10 walks? And uh, my answer for that would be 30 home runs. <laughs> I oh, man, so. I think he'll get to 10 walks before 100 strikeouts, but it'll be close. It's not going to be, uh, yeah, it, it'll be close. Monster home run again yesterday. Um, you got, I, I've, I've been long on record a, a Joey Gallo fan. I, I am checking the, uh, the stat card to say at this moment we are looking at Joey Gallo has, uh, is sitting at 23 strikeouts and, th- and uh, three walks in 18 games. So. so if you round down, you know, multiply by five-ish, he would get to 10 walks. But again, this is Also, not, this six is... home runs, uh, three doubles, and uh, five, or, uh, sorry, seven singles. So but the uh, singles are ahead of the homers right now. I don't know how long that'll last, yeah. but you know the Rangers have uh, a lot of issues right now. They were my pick. Oh. they were my pick for last place in the AL West. I don't think our magazine staff picked them as a whole there, but I did. And uh, I will say it's ugly. I will say I don't think I did. If you'd have told me that Elvis Andrus, Rugnet Odor, their backup Jerickson Profar, and I'm forgetting one other middle infielder I believe who's already hurt, were all hurt at the same time. That's one thing that when that happens. We talk about the, the angel step. Yes, you have to go into a season knowing that you have eight, nine, ten starting pitchers. The average team last year used 11 different starting pitchers. The average team does not usually use five shortstops. By, um, in April. In April. In April. And right. So I think uh, Levi Weaver, one of the beat writers, was joking. Uh, do you, I mean, Drew Robinson, have, might, you know, maybe go down. Hans or Alberto still around somewhere, I, I, but they're the, out of bodies. The, the sad thing for them also along those lines is, is that normally, I mean, you wouldn't. This is not an ideal situation, but if this was May or June, you actually would call around your indie, your guys who scout indie ball and say, "Who's the best shortstop in the Atlantic League?" Because there probably is someone who's better. That's big leaguer who. Right. You know, he's a little worn. He's, he's a little on the on the downside of the career. Ryan Jacksons of the world. And right now, Atlantic League's just getting going, so they don't even have that to turn to. It's April seventeenth, uh, and they're down that many shortstops. Uh, again, I mean, it, you can't handle. It's hard to handle that from a forty-man roster construction. There's a lot of you know, <laughs> there's a lot of problems with that. And the bad news is, is you're in a division where there is no time. The, the Angels and Astros are already pulling away. Uh, yeah, they're waving. The Mariners are, are raking. They're doing okay. The A's have to figure oh. out their pitching, but. Yeah, the Rangers don't have a lot of time. We also had a uh, Mike Ford question. Is Mike Ford a quad A, four A player, or is it really possible he could play at least an above average replacement level first base? I bring him up because Mike Ford looked like this was going to be his opportunity. He's, he's always hit the minors. He gets Rule 5, and bad timing award, he gets Rule 5 to a team that you, you turn around and go, wait a second. They got a lot of first basemen all of a sudden. They acquired Ryan Healy, but more than anything, Dan Ryan, Vogelbach. But is, the other thing is Ryan Healy got hurt, so that was the opportunity. 
and Dan Vogelbach took it, mm-hmm. not Mike Ford. Now, the problem is, is again, Vogelbach, if you didn't have Nelson Cruz, who's a DH at this point, Dan Vogelbach fits very well as a DH. Even with him raking as he is, the defensive, you are seeing still times where his defense at first base is a problem. But that really did kind of... The answer to that, Brian, I would really say, you know, you know, I, th- I think for me, it's when you look at how many first base types the Yankees acquired last year. You know, the Garrett Coopers of the world when they had Mike and Ford in their system, they acquired all these first base types. Then they let Ford go in the Rule Five pick, and then Ford couldn't beat out, you know, Dan Vogelbach. Again, you just start seeing a pattern here that, you know, maybe is a four type. Now it doesn't mean a four type who you know can't get a shot in their later twenties and something clicks. Look, but I, but I think right now. It's hard to say, you know, more than a 4 I think you're hoping for a Steve Pierce-type career there, but the reality of it is, is I would say first base is a brutal position to try to make it into the big leagues because... Especially if you're first base only. First base only, because a lot of guys who end up at first base are guys who hit at other positions and move down the spectrum at the big league level. Think Carlos Santana... Think you know guys like that, Miguel Cabrera, Miguel Cabrera. No, but say, but you, but you are talking about guys. So my point being is, is that the the opportunities for a first base only guy to break into the big leagues as a first base only guy are pretty slim in general, because a lot of times when teams need that guy, like we, you mentioned the Rockies. You know, we were talking before about the Rockies before we started the the podcast, and it's like. You look at the Rockies, and they went, ah, yeah, last year they went, yeah, Eden Desmond. Okay. There are so many players who you can say, yeah, we could put him at first base. So they have to be so sold on your bat. I mean, again, look at the Astros as another example. They had an injury, and they went, they didn't plug A.J. Reed in there. They took J.D. Dav- Davis, who, you know, and brought him up instead of A.J. Reed. And J.D. Davis, one of his best attributes is this cannon of an arm that he plays when he plays third base. But... Oh, yeah, by the way, we can put him at first. Right, they put Marwin Gonzalez at first, they put Jay Davis mm-hmm. at first. Yuli Gurriel was signed as a, as a third baseman. So, I mean, there's, it's tough. And you just look at what teams, when they've had Mike Ford, have done you know, acquisition-wise. Knowing they've had Mike Ford, I think that's an indicator. So thank you for all the questions. Uh, we will try to have another podcast this week. Uh, maybe me and Carlos or Carlos and someone else talking draft uh, for a podcast this week as well. We're, two, we're less than two months away from the draft. I know. I, I, right now I say I know because I've got a lot of calls to do. Uh, but, uh, but we do thank you for tuning in today. Today's podcast and Facebook Live was sponsored by Baseballism. Visit Baseballism.com to get the best apparel in baseball and enter the offer code BASHIP, that's V-A-S-H-I-P, and you can get 20% off of your order. For Kyle Glazer, I'm J.J. Cooper. So long, everybody.